0: It's Friday, April 3rd, 2020. And from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Well, As we adjust to new routines and sometimes confined living spaces, the ability to step outside for a few minutes of fresh air has been a godsend for many of us. Maybe a few too many of us uh, in some locations, as you may have noticed, people are flocking to popular trails and recreation areas. It is getting harder as a result to recreate outdoors while also observing that minimum six foot social distancing buffer from other users. The good news, though, is that there are plenty of ways to maintain a connection with the natural world without putting ourselves and others at risk. And one of the best ones actually is an activity you can do without even leaving your back porch. I'm talking about bird watching, and here to talk with me is Peck's resident birder, Cindy Ferguson. Cindy is our Director of Development, so just to note, not a biologist or any kind of formally accredited naturalist. Having said that, she has been birding for years, has been all over the world observing birds, has taken some really stunning photographs. In fact, you may have seen some of those on our website. Uh, All to say she is about as knowledgeable on this subject as an amateur can possibly be, and we're very lucky to have her here, Cindy Thanks for coming on to share some of your knowledge. It's really great to have you on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Josh.
0: You were the first person I thought of to talk about this topic. Because you have so much knowledge and you've done this in so many different settings, you're a pretty gung-ho uh, enthusiast in this hobby. And that means oftentimes you'll, like, you'll plan vacations around it and go to uh, exciting places where there's great bird watching to be had. This year, maybe not an option.
1: That's correct. And uh, there's downsides, obviously, but also some upsides to this. So our planned trip was going to be to Ohio early May, kind of at the peak time of spring migration. That's always when we make our spring trip. And we've gone to other places, Grand Canyon, Zion, other spots in the southwest. And the birding festival that we were going to go to was canceled about a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We've also been following that many of the trails and the parks are closed. So this wouldn't even be possible to do on our own. So here we are at home. I'm very fortunate that I live in a really lovely area that is located right on the Delaware river at the border between Bucks County and Philadelphia. And so we have, a lot of bird activity that's going on here. And we are out at different times of the day because we're also physically active. So we're running right after dawn in the morning and we're hearing the dawn song, the dawn chorus when we run at that hour. We go out at lunchtime and do a walk. We do a walk after dinner. So although the geographic exposure is going to be very constricted, I'm finding that the exposure time-wise is a little bit more expansive because I'm around. I'm I'm not in the office all day. Sure. Uh, we have we have on our back porch feeders set up, so we have birds that come right to the back porch. My workstation at home is set up at the dining room table, looking out the dining room window. And a little bit in the distance, I'm seeing the Delaware River. But between where I am and the river, there is a row of old, tall trees. And what I noticed yesterday, um, we're fortunate to have an osprey nest right off the shore here. And so I follow and have been following the osprey for many, many years.
0: I was going to say you go way back with these birds.
1: I go way back to 1997. This is the first pair that came back to Southeast Pennsylvania after the ravages of DDT almost wiped out the species. So I'm seated here at my dining room table looking out the window as I'm on my laptop, and I see this very large raptor flying among the trees. And I realize it's the osprey, Hmm. and he's gathering twigs for the nest. I've never seen this before. I've seen them out at the nest. I've seen them on the river. But I've never seen or or been aware that I could see it from where I live, right inside.
0: And that's that's just by virtue of being home all the time, looking out the window at your your exactly. workspace. I got to say, I'm, I'm envious of your setup. As you know, we're talking. I'm in my basement. I'm looking at a you know a brick wall, basically. <laughs> uh, right. Your view sounds much nicer. You mentioned a lot of trails in your area are closed. That is certainly going to be the case for many people that are hearing this, depending on where you are, and it may be uh, in the fairly near future for others. It's worth mentioning that there there are ways that people can go out and maybe walk some of their familiar routes out and around the neighborhood and local parks and trails in some places. There are ways to do it. It safely and there is official guidance from the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources and others and we encourage people to check that out and you know and follow those recommendations but we're not going to really focus on birding out and about away from your home we're going to talk about the setup that you have and how other people could do something similar in their own backyards. So starting with like the, the infrastructure, I guess, you mentioned you have several feeders. Uh, can you tell me what, what you put out, kind of where you placed them, what thought process went into to setting your backyard up the way you've got it?
1: Sure, and, and this isn't even a backyard. I mean, there's a huge expanse of green here and wetlands and river, but this is not a private home. This is, this is a development here, and we're in an apartment complex. So we have a terrace, and it's a Mm -hmm. small terrace, but on this terrace, I have a cake of suet in a cage which will attract woodpeckers and, and many other birds, and then I have a tube feeder which has sunflower seed in it and some smaller seed which attracts a lot of your smaller birds. We also have water out there. They love to have access to water. There's also setups, which I've done in the past, but not currently, where you can have a bird feeder that is attached to your window. So if you have a dining room window, for example, that's, you know, it's maybe four feet off the ground or something, um, you can have this feeder right on your window and you can be seeing the birds about six feet away from you. And because of the close proximity of the feeder to the window, you actually don't have the danger of the bird flying into the window. I'm not sure how that works, but um, there isn't a danger for that. So you put out some food, you put out some water, and you're going to attract birds. It might take a couple days for them to discover it. But once they discover it, they're going to tell their friends, and then you're going to have a lot of activity out there.
0: Okay, so you're in southeastern PA, as you mentioned. For those who aren't as lucky as you are to catch a glimpse of an osprey nesting, maybe uh, just on the off chance, what are some bird species that people are going to be more likely to encounter in your part of the world at this time of year?
1: So we have what I refer to as our commoners or our our residents, our year-round residents. Those are the robins, the cardinals, the blue jays the chickadees, the Carolina wrens, lots and lots of birds, morning doves. And I must admit that I tend to not get quite as excited about these birds typically because they're with us year round. Mm. And I then get more excited about the ones that are coming through in spring migration that you are waiting for them to come in May, for example. But where we are right now, which is On the early side of migration, migration will really be going through the month of May and it intensifies as you get into the latter part of April and then certainly May. But what I'm finding now as I'm waiting for that big push of birds to come through is that I really have much more appreciation for the birds that are here Mm -hmm. because the birds that are here are the ones that we're seeing And we're really glad to be seeing them. We know we're not going to see the variety that we've seen in years past when we go away. And so I really like the fact that my appreciation for the birds that are here has grown. And I I go out not only with binoculars. Binoculars are, I would say, the the first thing to have that will really help you in this. Mm -hmm. You can see a lot of birds' naked eye. There's a lot that you can't, and you can see far more detail. So as I go out now, I have the binoculars, I have my camera, and I'm really enjoying taking photos of the bird. I might take 20 photos in one day, and maybe one or two are photos that, you know, I really want to save, and the rest, you know, I'll get rid of. But that helps you kind of train your eye on what you're seeing and focus and be more mindful of what's happening around you. So what I'm expecting to happen in the next couple of weeks, we already have our very earliest migrants are here. Our first early migrant is the red-winged blackbird. Mm-hmm. And you can hear these in wetlands. They make a very distinctive vocalization. And when they came, come back, we're thrilled. Other early arrivals, you have a couple of warblers that come early, like the palm warbler, the pine warbler. You have Beebees, which are in the flycatcher family. So you have certain birds that are expected late March, the beginning of April. And then as we go through April, there'll be more and more birds that are expected. And once you get to the end of April and early May, that's when all your warblers are coming through the birds that are those tiny little colorful jewels that people who really pay attention to birds get very, very excited about.
0: You mentioned that you have a a new kind of appreciation for these birds that are you said commoners, right? That that you would see pretty typically. What are you noticing, or what's fueling that new appreciation for you? Are you are you seeing different things that you wouldn't ordinarily catch, or, or what?
1: Sure. And the example I'm going to give you, I mean, it is a common bird for us. It's not a common bird for everyone, and and we have this bird six months out of the year, and it's the osprey. And as I had mentioned, we've had a pair here since 1997, and they return every year. What we saw yesterday was behavior that we had never seen before. We saw both on the nest, that was expected, and we continue walking. And then 10 minutes later, we're hearing this piercing, horrible scream from, it sounds like it's an osprey, but it's it's a different sound than I've heard before. We couldn't locate it. It was in back of us, in front of us. We looked up, we couldn't see it in the sky. The scream went on for about 20 minutes. It was so upsetting that we actually thought the bird was in trouble on the ground somewhere. So we went to the shoreline, half expecting to see the bird on the ground. Soon after, And we didn't, soon after that, my husband looked up in the sky and very, very, very high was an osprey hovering We only see osprey hover really briefly when they're diving for fish. So this was a sustained hover and sustained scream. My husband at that point saw off in the distance a bald eagle. So what we believe we were witnessing was this territorial reaction to having a bald eagle in the area. And this was how the osprey was trying to protect its territory. As I said, I've been watching the osprey since 1997. I never saw this until yesterday. It kind of raises the
0: question almost, is this something that's going on all the time that you don't notice? Or are these animals responding to, you know, a very different environment that they find themselves in? Like I've noticed anecdotally in my neighborhood, I read on social media that people seem to be having the same experience, that there's just a lot more... Bird activity, or it's it's more noticeable, maybe because there's less traffic noise or other activity going on, or is it that the birds are more active or are more present than than normal? Do you have a sense of which of those might be the case?:
1: I believe it's because I am more present. Uh-huh. <laughs> and these things have been happening before, and I've just never seen them before. It's like with most people, bird vocalization, bird song, is background. If they even hear it and a lot of people don't even hear it it's there but we're not picking up on it and in this particular incident I, I think it's where in prior years I'm down at the river looking at the osprey after dinner you know for a 15 minute period and and that's about it I've had more exposure to seeing them than I have in years past so I think I think this has happened before because I know that there's, um, there are eagles in the area. So I, I, I definitely think this is part of what can happen in protecting territory. I just haven't had the pleasure of seeing it before.
0: All right, let's talk quickly about equipment. You mentioned binoculars are a must have investment for any birder, and the camera is always a good idea for people that are maybe just getting into this activity or looking to take it to the next level, particularly if they're looking at a, a more or less homebound shelter in place situation. What should I be putting in my Amazon cart right now so that I can make the most of this opportunity?
1: I would definitely say binoculars, and you can get some pretty good binoculars. For a reasonable price, it just takes a little bit of research. I have uh, friends that ask me all the time about what type to get, and when they give me their price point, I can point them in a certain direction. And it's easy to find reviews on the binoculars. So, so that's that's kind of the primary piece of equipment, but also a field guide. You want to be able to look up. Um, in a book, if possible, what, what it is you think you're seeing. Now, there's a lot of online resources. I have personally found that the field guide is still really, really important. Mm-hmm. And then third, I would say the camera is a terrific thing to have, but a lot of people really appreciate birds and just love being out there watching them, and they don't do anything with a camera. In fact, Sometimes people find a camera a little bit distracting because you're trying more to get the photo rather than really watching the bird. Right. So if it was two items, I would say get binoculars and get a field guide.
0: Do you keep notes? Is there any value in uh, having a notebook handy?
1: I occasionally keep notes, but not very often. A lot of people do that. I keep it in my head. I keep a life list, a checklist of what I've seen. I... I know when I get back inside, I know what to write down. Or if there's certain notes, they're more mental notes. I don't really make notes when I'm out there typically.
0: Can you recommend any resources online or otherwise, local or elsewhere, that might be helpful for people as they explore birding?
1: I think one of the best online resources is from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and it's called All About Birds and all you have to type in is all about birds. It's such a wealth of information. You can identify just about any bird on there. There's lots of photos, descriptions of the bird, comparisons with other birds. It's really, really amazing. So that's the one that I think is is really the best online resource. In terms of field guides, There's there's wonderful field guides out there by... Ken Kaufman, David Allen Sibley, but one that I would also note, and this is particularly useful, I think, for beginning birders. There is a series that's put out by Stan Tekela. It's a very small book, and the beauty of it, it's color-coded by what the bird looks like. So you'll have a section, a red, a section of blue, a section of yellow, and often, particularly if you're a novice birder, you're not sure even what family of birds that you're looking at, but you know, it's a red bird. <laughs> and then you can go to the red section of the book and you're going to see cardinal. You're going to see tanagers. You're going to see a male house finch. And that can be really, really helpful to people who are beginning birders or novice birders. And I have used those for different parts of the country. I typically will use them the first time I go there, and then I don't really need to use it after that. But it can be really, really helpful.
0: And just one more for you. I mean, as you know, Peck doesn't do anything directly involved in birds specifically or really wildlife generally, but a lot of the organizations we work with uh, do, certainly. I'm wondering if you, as a member of the birding community, if you have any nonprofits or organizations that you admire that you would encourage people to support.
1: I certainly do. And I really appreciate the work that Audubon does, both in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, and nationally. Um, The work of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology is really outstanding, but my very favorite bird conservation organization is American Bird Conservancy. It's a national organization that works on the entire lifespan of a bird. So it covers South, Central, and North America. So you're covering the wintering and the nesting range of these birds. And the way they do their work, for me, is very similar to PEC. It's all about partnership. And they have partners around the country. They have partners in Latin America. They do an amazing job. And that is the bird conservation organization that I feel the closest to and I support most strongly.
0: All right. Well, we will throw up some links to those organizations for sure, as well as uh, the resources you mentioned earlier. And with that, I'll say, Cindy, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and I wish you happy birding and, and good health.
1: Thanks so much, Josh. Bye-bye.
0: And that'll wrap it up for this episode of Pennsylvania Legacies. Check back in two weeks for another one and catch up on our past episodes on the Peck website at peckpa.org. You can just go to the audio room under the media tab. There you will find all 118 now episodes. You can also subscribe in uh, Apple Podcasts, in SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player.fm, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else podcasts are found. Wherever you find us, uh, do us a favor and leave a rating and a review. Help others discover the show. Follow Peck on Twitter at PECPA and find us on Facebook. One more time, our website where you can find show notes for this episode, including links to some of the things we talked about, is at PECPA.org. For the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson, and thanks for listening.